The best thing about a machine that makes sense is you can very easily make it turn out. The Doctor Who Podcast. In this episode of the Doctor Who Podcast, the Matt Smith Doctor, he's in a share house. Yes, it's the episode of Doctor Who called The Lodger. And in the caravan today, we're going to be reviewing this particular episode. What did we think? Well, who knows? We'll find that out in a couple of minutes, I suppose. Good evening, good afternoon, good day to you all. It's another episode of the DWP. Episode, I think it's 26 by now, but who's keeping count? They're all fantastic, all wonderful. Um, in the camper van here today, as per usual, we have Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello there, Trev. How are you doing? And literally found wandering the halls of Skype, we have Marty. What the hell am I doing here? Hello. <laughs> Hey, hey. We saw him come online and we thought, hey, he's probably not doing anything with his uh, Sunday mornings. Why doesn't he come and talk Doctor Who with us? It's an absolute thrill to have you back, Marty. It's, it's a pleasure to be. It's just like old times. I'm, I'm still half asleep. Oh, I tell I, you. I don't know what I'm going to say, but when's that ever stop All we me? have to do is uh, disconnect Tom and it will be just like old times. <laughs> this is the first time I've actually um, spoken to Tom, I think. Is it, Tom? Yes, it is. It really yeah, is. That's, that's why I'm sort of sat here with a sloppy grin on my face going, oh, wow, it's mine. <laughs> but it feel, feels like we're old friends. I, I feel like, you know, we, we've been down the pub and, and whatnot and had long chats about <laughs> this, this particular show already. But no, we haven't actually physically met and we haven't physically met today, but we've voicely met. It's like meeting a rock star, isn't it, Marty? <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> you see, you had the choice of names to pick there. It could have been Tom. It could have been Marty, but that's brilliant. Depends who I want to suck up to more to which name I picked, actually. But anyway. Perfect. <laughs> what can I say? It, it's a bit like the Three Doctors, because I, I, I know what you've done. I've listened to you, and now I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm, I'm the next version of you, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know what you've done. Makes me it's like filled me with guilt. Then, it's, oh god, what have I done? <laughs> Knowing you, Marty, probably quite a lot. I'd say. Yeah, they cleaned up that stain on the wall there, didn't they? They've done a fantastic job with the camper van. I, I think they had the uh, steam cleaners in in the, in the past week or two to um, clean up after what I think Tom called the Marty, Marty party. party. Yeah, well, what yeah. a wonderful yeah. phrase that is. I'm not paying for it. <laughs> it's all. It, it's all right. James is taking care of all of that, but uh, this time, chaps, trousers on. Yes, thanks. Sports <laughs> uh, ball. Well, we'll we'll try. We'll we will try and restrain ourselves as we uh, have a bit of a chat about the latest Doctor episode that's been on our screens and on our TVs and on our iPlayers and on our downloads. We talk of nothing less than the eleventh story from this latest season, The Lodger. I'm not a real doctor, but. I only put the advert up today. I didn't put my address. Well, aren't you lucky I came along? More lucky than you know. Less of a young professional, more of an ancient amateur. 
But frankly, I'm an absolute dream. Hang on a minute, mate. I, I don't know if I want you to stay in and give me back those keys. You can't have those. Yes, quite right. Have some rent. That's probably quite a lot, isn't it? Looks like a lot. Is it a lot? I can never tell. Well, I'd actually like to rewind slightly and probably try and provide a little bit of background to to my opinion of The Lodger. I'm probably going to get a lot of enemies on the DWP as a result of this, but I really, really enjoyed listening to the last two episodes of the DWP where you guys talked about Vincent and the Doctor. Okay. Because you opened my eyes so much um, listening to you guys talk about it because I walked away from Vincent and the Doctor going, hmm, interesting, but filler. Um, it, it really didn't thrill me. And I had a total reversal of opinion listening to you guys on those two shows last week, and, and I really want to thank you very much for that. Okay. So, Well, thank you. I, I kind of entered this episode number 11 thinking, okay, we're at the business end of the season. If this was an RTD season, we, we'd be well into you know, having the Master revealed or having the Daleks show up or having the Cybermen do something really nasty. Mm. So I thought, okay, the Lodge is going to have something really amazing in it that at the very least is going to set us up for the rest of the season, you know, the, the, the business end of the season. But I was really, really crying filler. I got to the end of it and went, well, that was nice. There were some nice bits in it, but I really can't think of it as any more than mildly entertaining filler. Okay. And that kind of disappointed me at this stage of the season when I thought we'd really be getting to the meat and potatoes of it. Was there nothing, was there nothing you found that, re, that redeemed it in your eyes at all? Well, I'll, I'll probably talk about it a little bit later. Um, some of the stuff towards the tail end of the episode really excited me, mm. uh, but probably not in a way that contributes to the overall season. It was more about hints back to classic Doctor Who for me. Yeah. But I'd, I'd really be interested to hear what you two guys thought of it. Okay. Martin, um, you want to go? Well... Or? Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't mind going. I, I think um, two, two negatives and then a positive from you, maybe, Tom. <laughs> it's like end on a high. Um, so hopefully you liked it. I, I thought that was a bit... Uh, it was, I agree mostly with, with what Trev said. It was, it was very filler. It was very kind of light-hearted. Just um, a romp that you could sit down and watch and, and not pay too much attention to. And not particularly liking James Corden myself. That, that kind of threw me out of the... Uh, the episode as well, when he was heading towards that dark patch, that sinister dark patch that was going to, you know, kill him or wound him. Um, that was the only time I was shouting at the telly, and I shouted, "Touch it! Touch it!" <laughs> um, unfortunately, my my neighbours were outside, so God knows what they were thinking. <laughs> Another normal night around the multi house. Yeah, they should be used to me by now. But yeah, no, there was there was a lot in there that was just. Uh, I, I, I kind of try to justify it to myself. Um, why, why the doctor is is acting so you know un, unable to fit in with society and, and the air kissing and the um, and, and the whole sort of living and not knowing what football is. The justification was that was him just being him, just being quirky, being a bit mad because he's stuck mm. there and he's, he's going to mm. enjoy it because that this man is um, according to his his current idea of over 900 years old um so it's you know he would know what football is and he wouldn't like air kiss blokes on the football field or something you know things like that and um, the bit i did love was when he put someone on hold because he was going to eat a biscuit which i'm going to be using at work tomorrow um and the psychic link with the cat that that didn't work either i actually looked at my cat and said what did you make of that and she didn't answer back so it's not very <laughs> true to life. 
Oh, you know God, what I mean. Yeah. Okay, that's all kind of that's all kind of interesting. I don't think that's oh, it's not overly negative. Um, I've got to say, as you can probably imagine, that I really liked it. Of course, I liked it. It's uh, it, it's Stephen Moffat reinventing a, a Tom Baker season seventeen story. Um, it's you're right. It's light. It's fluffy. But if we look, and I know I am the Onion Boy, um, there's plenty going on. It's reminding us about all of the things that have come before and all of the things that have come that that are to come as well. And I've got to say, next week's episodes look really, really good. I think clearly you can see that it is the the Doctor Stroke Companion light episode because they're not really um, Matt and Karen aren't together. At any real, in any real sense during this, so you can see it's filmed in two separate blocks to give each to give each actor a break. Um, but it was really, really good. It was light. It was funny. It was quick. The focus is on uh, was on Daisy Haggard and James Corden. And right, this is interesting. So Marty, you weren't you didn't care too much for James Corden. Trevor, you've got no preconceptions at all. Uh, so not at all. No, no. It will be interesting to hear what you know to just you know, to talk about his performance because again, I've got to be honest, I really liked it. Um, there was, as, as I'm sure you know, people who listen to the podcast are Doctor Who fans, so you know there was a certain amount of frisson about uh, James Corden being a comedy actor and appearing in Doctor Who. But then again, so was John Pertwee, so was Catherine Tate, and they both did pretty well as far well as I can work out. Um, no, it was nice. Um, all of the, all of the themes that have been running through the season were there. I the idea of the crack, of course, obvious. Um, the forgetting and remembering of Rory, the, and most importantly, the perception of it. Um, having watched the episode once, if you go back to watch it again, suddenly the you're you're just staring at the second floor of the house, uh, and it's obvious. It's right there in front of you, which I think is one of the themes of this entire season. I, I, I'm. I will. I don't like laying money, but I'm fairly sure we'll get to the end of uh, season five. As soon as we look back through the episodes, because we're Doctor Who fans, we'll do that. We'll see stuff that was staring us in the face all the way along it. And this is, you know, but this is the difference between Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davis. Russell T Davis, brilliant as he was, would say, "Here is something important. You must pay attention. You must pay attention to it. I'll, I'll, I'll remind you about it later on." Where Stephen Moffat says, "Okay, it's here. If you look, you'll see it. If you don't look, you'll miss it. Simple." Um, that's you know, but coming back to the episode and being specific, really, really enjoyed it. Nice and light. It's lovely to have um, Tom uh, to have Matt Smith doing alien and odd and slightly weird as the Doctor, which is perfect. Slightly, very, very <laughs> slightly? weird. Slightly, very weird. Brilliant. <laughs> to me, this was Matt Smith giving his best Fourth Doctor impersonation, and it's it's really interesting too that it's sort of come off the back of me watching or rewatching again Creature from the Pit. Oh. which I think is one of the fourth Doctor's most manic, off-the-wall, random-type performances as the Doctor. <laughs> and it's interesting watching Matt Smith's in, interpretation in this of his role. And I'm, I'm kind of with Marty a little bit on this like this. I get slightly annoyed when my Doctor isn't a confident, um, knowledgeable person. That, that's not to say that I don't mind my Doctor being flippant and funny, but... It's hard to take a lot of the things he does in this episode as genuine. That, like Marty says, the the air kissing, the not knowing what football is, the whole not really knowing anything about the time period he's he's actually standing in. Mm. Um, it it's really, I'm sort of sitting here hoping that it's just Matt Smith's doctor being just this strange sort of weird that he does know exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. but he just wants to come across as this incredibly weird person. And suppose for me that, that that kind of works in some way because I suppose a lot of our listeners have 
lived in flats with other people or, or, or shared houses with people, and they've all got their own horror stories about living with people that they've barely known for any length of time. <laughs> and from that part mm-hmm. of it, I kind of get this because, um, you know, James Corden's character, when he um, decides to go into the doctor's room and sees this contraption made out of baseball bats and lampshades, he must go, <laughs> oh, my goodness, what have I got in my house now? Um, so I, I can understand it from that point of view, but I, I really get a little bit annoyed when they're trying to characterise the Doctor as clueless, like really clueless, just not pretend clueless. No, I, I, don't, I don't think he was clueless. I think he was socially a little bit uncertain, but in terms of what he was doing, that, you know, that, there's a Time Lord building a, a, a time sensory device out of stuff he got from Wix. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's not being intentionally clueless because i mean for a man that says i don't know what football is do do we play it with sticks mm. to then suddenly being you know the best football player in the world on on the field that day um perhaps we should have sent him the, to south the africa the two just don't gel with me they they really don't gel with me mm. I, th- well, I thought their football scene was was quite reminiscent of the the peter davison playing cricket in um was it black orchid black orchid yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it was almost, I almost got a sense of that and then, uh, then I just zoned out because I, I can't stand football. But at yeah. least with Black Orchid, there's no pretense that the Davison Doctor, oh, what's that red thing? What do we do mm. with those little sticks at the end of the pitch type of thing? So we already know there, that. There wasn't any of that nonsense. No. Um, it was a case that the Fifth Doctor knew how to play cricket. He loved it. It was his passion. Um, you know, we were waiting two years for a story to finally feature him playing cricket and we got it. But to then have this story saying, oh, what's football? Is that the one with the sticks? Yeah. Oh, well, what, the more, more you do? say that, I, the, the more yeah, you say that, I it, think he's just joking <laughs> rather than yeah. just being completely a little bit, I don't know, I don't know which one's it, that again. It's also coupled with my real annoyance that they're in this situation where the TARDIS can't land because of what's happening on this mythical second floor. Mm-hmm. So the Doctor spends time um, sitting in the common area chatting with James Corden going out playing football and just generally socialising when he should be like getting on with it and figuring out how to rescue Amy that really annoyed me I hear what you're saying but is it, is it not the case that there was some there was just there was disturbance there was turbulence there were all sorts of things preventing him from going up there and just double checking first I mean he seemed to be needing to to run scans and checks without the use of the sonic there, there was nothing from what I can see that was physically stopping him from going up there from the beginning of the episode. He just wanted to be sure that if he went to the top of the stairs, he wasn't going to be zapped. Right. Because there's nothing that he really did that stopped what was happening upstairs before he went there. So he, he could have just gone straight. I mean, if Tom Baker was in this role, mm. he would have walked in and said, hello, dear boy, I'm going straight to the top of the stairs, boom, straight in, and the episode would have been over in five minutes. <laughs> but no, we have Matt Smith as the doctor. He's got to wander in. He's got to give him a huge paper bag full of cash. He's got to be really eccentric. He's got to go out and play football and try and hit on his girlfriend mm. um, and then finally get to something at the end of the episode. Um, that that kind of annoyed me. The whole story took place over three days, which isn't a huge amount of time. Okay. That's it. That's it. What are you actually called? What's your proper name? 
Just call me the doctor. Yeah. I can't go up to these guys and go, hey, this is my new flatmate. He's called the doctor. Why not? Because it's weird. All right, Craig. Hey. hey. So, all right, mate. Hello, I'm Craig's new flatmate. I'm called the doctor. <laughs> all right, doctor. I'm Sean. So where are you strongest? Arms. No, he means what position on the field? I'm not sure. The front, the side, below. You any good though? Let's find out. Okay. Um, what? What? I think I may have asked this indirectly, but what did you guys make of Corden's performance? Um, it was difficult for me because because I don't like him. But I, I watched it the second time. I just tried to just just watch it and, and not grumble and moan and and just whinge like an idiot. Um, and, and it was just average. It was it was just just him being like him. Going, oh, I'm ever so fat and unloved. Um, that that's his shtick. <laughs> mm, yeah, I mean, I mean, mean for me, I've I've got no baggage with Mr. Corden. Because I've I've only heard of Gavin and Stacey because it's on TV here locally, but I'd never watched him. I'd never seen anything else with him in it. Even looking at his Wikipedia page, I couldn't even recognise any of the stuff he's done. Oh, you so lucky sausage! I, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had no baggage with him whatsoever. But I'm kind of agreeing with you that it's a bit of a cliche. It's it it's the it's the overweight, slightly nerdy type of guy who wins the beautiful girl type of scenario. And that's been played out in so many TV shows and films that um, it was no real surprise that by the end of the episode, the Doctor was going to find some way of getting those two to have a snog. Um, yeah, I mean, but, but as as for James himself, he played the role he was supposed to do fine because that's all that was required of it. For him to be overweight, for him to be shy, um, you know, for him to be hesitant about talking to that woman about saying how much he loved her because he had so much source material out there to sort of work on, really. Well, okay. I've, do you know what? I've never seen Gavin and Stacey. The only time I've seen James Corden doing anything is was this week, actually, when, when he, was, he had a bit of a spat at an award ceremony with Patrick Stewart, um, even, John, even he who is John Luke Picard himself. And, again, with no, with no baggage and no preconceptions, I just got... Okay, brilliant. He's the he's a larger guy who's too nervous to talk to this woman who clearly fancies the pants off him, um, and and I thought I thought it was very sympathetic. But then again, I've not seen Gavin and Stacey, you see. So I, all I do, all I do know is that he's a comedy actor, and comedy actors are very good with timing, and that's what's required in a show like Doctor Who. I, I, I'll, I'll go back and watch it again, but I've watched a little bit more of it. I've just done a bit of a repeat watch this morning, but he was fine. Um, I, I'm normally the one who says looking for stuff, looking for things inside episodes. But it was light, it was fun, it was easy, it was quick. It was, it, I've got to be honest, it was better than Love and Monsters. And that's, and that's all it had to be that, for me. That's the exact word I was going to use, easy. It's an easy role. Yeah. I mean, there's there's nothing particularly difficult about the role James Gordon had to do. So I'm, I'm with you, Tom, that, you know, because I don't really know the man at all. Hmm. I mean, I've only read about him in the news, I suppose, and in connection with Doctor Who, that he, he did what he was supposed to do fine. I talked about at the beginning of the episode how I thought that by episode 11, we'd be having a lot of ties into the rest of the season. Mm. And and I suppose for me, I've, I've been preconditioned a little bit by four or five years of RTD-type mm. plotting, that by episode 11, everything's fallen into place and, and we're rolling down that long, slippery slope to the finale. Mm. It was very annoying... I think that I was expecting the top floor of that uh, flat room or whatever to have some sort of special significance that would tie into the rest of the season. 
It might, it might still and I do. I really thought we were going to get that. I, I really yeah. thought we were going to get that when they burst into the room and there was the TARDIS. Oh, we still got because answer I really thought it was there. a TARDIS. I, I really, really did. In the cla- if this had happened in the classic series, that would have been a TARDIS of some sort. It but was no, so. it's, 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 it, it's it was a, though, Trev. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. It was a wishy-washy, sort of indistinct time vessel built by a unknown species um, who hadn't quite got it right. And they were using one of these annoying perception filters, which everyone seems to have a copy of, by the way. It's really, really annoying. Um, it, I mean, for when, for when they first burst in the room, I, I really got a wonderful Time and the Rani vibe when you saw the, the Rani's TARDIS. Yeah. To me, I thought, oh, my goodness, this is going to be like another Time Lord or it's going to be the Master or something like that. Or, or some interesting thing happening with a Gallifreyan. But no, it was just this... Oh, another species has time travel technology type of thing, um, and that really disappointed me that we weren't getting some sort of lead into the rest of the season. I'm I'm hoping that that that, that isn't it that we because it, it is left unanswered who was trying to build a TARDIS and why and and what's going on there. And maybe maybe we get get some uh, pickup back on the, on the last two episodes. I, I bloody hope I, so. I really hope we do because it it also tied in with the whole thing with Amy finding the ring in the Doctor's jacket. Yeah, she's not I seen that oh, ring, okay. though, so why would she go suddenly all remembery? Um, we don't even know what she thought, because we didn't see... Well, to, to me, the, the ring is a very similar situation to the Doctor's recorder in The Three Doctors. That in The Three Doctors, the Doctor's recorder was the only bit of matter um, that survived intact into the antimatter universe, and it was the recorder that was able to trigger the whole end of the story. To me, the ring is a very similar thing, that the ring was placed in that specific spot um, in Cold Blood or Hungry Earth or whatever it was by Rory or Amy or whatever it was, and it survived um, what happened to Rory. So then seeing it is a very similar situation we had to the fob watch that the Doctor and the Master used, that it triggers some sort of memory inside you or that it re-implants those memories well that's the thing in in fairness um he he, she was wearing the ring at the beginning of uh the hungry earth and rory and rory says to her why are you wearing that give it back you know it's it's very expensive so i completely forgot about that so yeah Mm. Mm. and you know so so it's it's very it's very much a link into what's what what has come before um I'm, I'm not sure where to go with this. the the TARDIS upstairs or someone's attempt to build a time machine. I'm, I don't know what you guys got got, but when I first looked at that, I thought it's the TV movie TARDIS because it looked exactly the same. <laughs> no, not not me. Like, like I said, I, I it gave me wonderful feelings of the Rani's TARDIS. Mm. It really did because I think at the time when the Rani's TARDIS appeared in in 1986, mm. it was the only real new TARDIS we'd ever seen, and they went to a lot of effort to create that. And to me, I got this same feeling when I saw this nondescript alien species TARDIS type of time machine, that it just looked so different to what we'd seen with the Doctor's TARDIS. TV movie, seriously. Oh my goodness, that that looks really good, yeah. Seriously, TV movie, if you can bear to do it, um, dig dig out the DVD and have a quick look. Oh, wash your mouth out, Tom. (laughs) Do you like the TV? TV movie's fantastic. Oh my God, are you serious? We're going to have to have a long talk, you and me, during the off-season of this uh, particular <laughs> podcast, Tom, about how wonderful the telemovie is, but that's for another day. Wow. Okay. Wow. Oh, man. 
never has my opinion of someone changed so quickly. If I'd known this before I brought you on as host, you, you wouldn't be host now, Tom. I'm sorry. It's about, in fairness, it's the best performance that Sylvester McCoy gave in the role. But anyway, look, we, 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 we're getting a... Agree, absolutely a, agree. That's, that's, that's mm. what, what makes me actually appreciate Sylvester in, in the role, is, is the movie. And I actually mm. quite like the movie. So, and, and, you know, it was really a sense of sadness when, when Sylvester's doctor was, um, spoilers, gunned down. <laughs> exactly so i mean i think we got spoilers in a doctor who show well how can you spoil a 14 year old tv show my goodness oh, oh you've not been on gallifrey Mace, not have seen you? it <laughs> what's it like there right. these days uh, gb yeah it's it's um it, it remains interesting and a home <laughs> sorry gb as they call it on the street <laughs> sorry yeah gb man i'm down to kids damn it damn it uh, yeah, it, uh, Gallifrey Base remains a uh, a varied and open-handed gathering place for all of the flora and fauna and opinion which populates the Doctor Who universe, regardless of the sanity and reality. And it's a good place to go. I'm saying no more. I see where others stumble blind to seek a truth they never find. Eternal wisdom is my guide. I am the Doctor. Hello, Mr. Jorgensen. Can you hold? I have to eat biscuit. I really like Matt's performance in this. We've already said it was Tom Baker. We've already said it, we've already said it was Manic. Um, and I like the idea that he's being recast, that the Doctor's being reset as an alien. I like that he's socially inept. I like that he his perception is slightly different. I mean, okay, look, fine. This whole story was about... Um, uh, James Corden and Daisy Haggard. It was about their two char- uh, It was about their characters and how they were just orbiting each other closer and closer. And it was the most, I think, RTD of the non-RTD style uh, episodes this season. I mean, I don't know what you think. Yeah, but... I, I actually had yeah. to go back because um, I didn't realise who had written it to start with, and I had to go back and say, "Did Russell write this? Bloody hell!" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so. I mean, um, Gareth Roberts has got a, has a habit of writing uh, vaguely humorous things uh, in in the uh, in in the style of Dennis Spooner. Oh, good lord! You know, we're forgetting something. In our in our haste to just enjoy, have a bit of a love in here, we for, we've totally forgotten about James. Oh no! Oh, James, James sent in a review about this. Look under the pizza. There we go. Found it. Found it. Yeah, well, James James couldn't be with us tonight, unfortunately. But uh, he did send in a little um, review via email. He's saying here, the Doctor Who was just plain mad in this one. Very, very, very weird and very, very, very Tom Baker. Good to see a story set in another UK location that isn't London. Uh, Love the Doctor playing football. Matt Smith was a pro footballer before he started his acting career following an injury. Um, And him wearing the number 11 shirt was very appropriate. Didn't like the ending. Second time this series that emotions have solved the problem. Uh, similar to uh, Victory of the Daleks where Amy and the Doctor defused the uh, Bracewell bomb. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what James thought. And um, really touches on a very interesting point there that I, I did want to raise. That, you know, the whole thing with um, James Corden characters, Craig, um, being the one to solve the problem that his emotions for uh, Sophie were the one that, uh, I, I suppose, stopped the Doctor getting killed by this uh, time ship. I know it seems unfair to have um, more of this emotional, interrelational stuff in Doctor Who where 
in fairness, in the classic series, it was it was always more hinted at or put, put across in a more ham-fisted way. But the reality of this is that big problems are solved by emotions. They, you know, very, very Occasionally, you're, you're lucky enough in your life to be able to be objective and cold and dispassionate about things. But ultimately, ultimately, it's all about, well, who do you love? Where are you going to stay? What do you want to do with your life? That absolutely governs everything. Um, all you need is you know, love, man. Absolutely. <laughs> look at I mean, look at look at number t- uh, look at uh, the tenth Doctor and Rose. Didn't he, did, did he not did he not put cracks in the universe trying to get back to her? Did he not did, did was did he not uh, run in front of oncoming Dalek fire in order to be close to her? That's a big that, that's a big story being told through little things. You know, it's a, a little thing like emotion is so important. Um, and as we've seen down through the series, the show will show us that it's the little people in inverted commas, that are the important ones. We don't know why it's important why those two, that those two should get together. It might just be because they'll make each other happy. Um, or, it could be for something, or it could be for something important. Who knows? Am I making you cry back there? That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> Group hug. Group hug. Come here, you big lug. Oh, buddy. Oh. Okay, I'll sit I just I'll feel so down. warm inside. Sorry, I need a quick break. But let's just go to a break. Hello, I'm Captain Troy Hansen of International Rescue. Please state the nature of your emergency. The ship has crashed, the crew are dead, a pilot is required. And you're the emergency crash program, a hologram, what you've been luring people up here so you can try them out. You will help me, you will help me, you will help me. Craig, what is this? Where am I? Hush, human brains aren't strong enough though, they just burn. But you're stupid, aren't you? You just keep trying. 17 people have been tried. 6,400,026 remain. So this story was based on uh, the 2006 Gareth Roberts comic strip for Doctor Who magazine called The Lodger. Um, now, Gareth seems to, uh, has a, a very strong history of writing for Doctor Who, actually. In fact, it was him who, uh, who authored The Unicorn and the Wasp and The Shakespeare Code. Do, do you think that this story fits in the, in, in the mood of, those, of the other two? I think it certainly fits in with the Unicorn and the Wasp, and any mm. long-term listener to the uh, DW Who cast knows my opinion of that particular story. <laughs> More than well enough. We spent many, many an episode talking about how putrid I find that episode. Oh dear. Um, well, it it's in the same vein. Um, I I think the Shakespeare Code is rescued slightly because it's got a bit more consistency um, in its style. That the the directorial flair of that particular episode rises it above the uh, Love and Monsters, uh, Unicorn and the Wasp type of feel. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, with with the lodger, we're we're back there again, where we're pretty much playing a story for laughs. It just happens to have a dramatic story wrapped around it somewhere. Maybe, do you know what? Maybe, maybe maybe we're trying to get blood out of a stone here. It was light. It was filler. It was quite quite quick. And I think um, Marcy, as you said, it's a good runaround, uh, a nice a nice quick light romp for a for a summer evening. Um, yeah. Looking at what's looking at what's coming up for next week, though. I was well. Oh, I can't wait for next oh. week. That looks brilliant. It it does look very very class. Um, my, my girlfriend was, was away this weekend, she, and she called just as the trailer was coming up, and and she's like, you know, I hadn't spoken to her all weekend, and I was like, oh, <laughs> as, as, oh, hang on, oh, wow, and and she was well, you know, it's it's nice to to hear your voice too, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, you know My what? only fear with this that that the whole Pandorica stuff looks absolutely fantastic. Mm. That mm. who's in this 
cube thing in this deep chasm. But I'm really getting RTD hints here with every enemy, you know, except for the Crotons appearing in it somewhere because just the roll call of... Draven. Um, she said Draven. enemies that, that, that they reeled off. I thought, oh my goodness, are we going for one of these RTD-soaked finales that I really thought Mr Moffat was getting away from? Um, I wonder, was the Slitheen mentioned? Yes. The Slitheen was mentioned. And, <laughs> but as were the Draven, as were the Chelonians. And then you look at the screenshot, you can, and as were the Nestine. And you look at the screenshot, you can see Sontara oh. and Battle Cruisers. There are Daleks, there are yeah. Cybermen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They're all there. Yeah, there, there was J- Jadoon mentioned as well. Yes. Yeah. Mm, mm. Oh, yes. See, what, what, what? Everyone's going to be there. And, and there is a screenshot floating around the net for those that want to be particularly spoiled that I've, I've seen mm. that sees the Doctor in the midst of at least six or seven different species of uh, current series enemies. Mm. Um, mm. So it looks like it's going to be quite epic for these last two episodes, but... I'm really hoping we get our own brand of Stephen Moffat epic mm. rather than RTD epic. Yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna be the tester, isn't it? Let's see how he mm. does with the the finale. <laughs> I like the oh, there is one thing that I found a little bit disturbing about yesterday's episode though. Um, the headbutt. I don't now, Trev. You you're probably going to be in a slightly better position to comment on this. Um, there's a very uh, the only word is mimetic aspect of Doctor Who. You know, monkey see, monkey do. Um, as a child, I would see the Daleks and I'd be, what you know, you, you walk around the playground pretending to be a Dalek. Um, I think children are a bit brighter than I used to be, though. Um, and I'm, uh, Guess what I'm thinking? Bath! Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, in the Isle of Dogs, it's always been that way. Um, but it was it, 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 just, it was just slightly off kilter. I was going to bang and headbutt you. Followed up by that lovely um, 10 Doctor shots. Which again is like mm. yes, all right, Stephen, we get it. He's the eleventh guy. I know you don't like it. You know, I get it. It's fab. Well, is is that overkill, or is is there there a point to that now? Because we've seen the uh, previous incarnations a bit too much now, and it's, I'm getting suspicious that something exactly. that's there's a plot. Point yeah, to that. I mean, we've got yet another rollback through the different faces of the Doctor in this particular episode. Mm. I mean, I I understand why they did it on I suppose two different levels. That it was a very frenetic, fast paced scene, and that we were almost getting to the level of tenant-type speedy dialogue with what Matt Smith was doing. Mm. Um, and I can understand, too, that maybe they were trying to avoid the urge to do a mind meld, you know, like a Star Trek mind meld or something <laughs> like that, um, that they had to find some different way of doing it that was quick, that didn't take up too much screen time. So I said, okay, why don't you just headbutt him? Well, it, 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 it was there. It seemed to work. It was clearly shown to hurt, which is important, I think. But I'm just a little concerned. That, well, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, my, I have a, uh, there's a couple of children in my life who I can, who I can, who I can ask about it. But uh, yeah, it, 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 just, it struck me as a very, an, an overly violent thing to do. Not, you know, I'm not, well, com- I, I'm, I'm not complaining. Like I, said, I don't think stupid children are, are, are so stupid, but it's, it, it's risky, I think. Actually, funnily enough, I I didn't have as a problem with the first headbutt as I did with the second one. Mm. Because I thought, okay, first headbutt's fine, he's transferring information, but then he says, okay, here's another one for the detail. Yeah. And that, to me, smacked of, you know, sort of comedy silliness. That, okay, I can sort of accept that we've got one headbutt, that he's transferring information to the, you know, the James Corden character. Mm. But then he does another one for the detail. And I went, okay, all right, that's just a little bit too far, Gareth, sorry. Mm. Should have have done a kick up the backside for conclusion. You guys watch the Sarah Jane adventures, don't you? Yes, we're that mature. (laughs) 
<laughs> right, so this, this is the thing. I think when I first got in contact with Trev, that quiet rainy night in the in the phone box, um, I, I did explain that I'm really quite bad with anything that's not Doctor Who. So I've not really seen any Sarah Jane, and I've not really seen that much Torchwood because I, I tried to watch season one, and. I, I kind of stalled halfway through it. I've not really picked up since. There is a, but I'm aware that, oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I'm aware that there is a character called the Trickster. Ah, uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, thanks for reminding uh, that me. Could, yeah, because yeah. that got a name check in this story too, didn't it? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. All I'm in the, uh, in the uh, next time trailer. Yes. And that's it. All that I've got in my mind is that there was a scene, there's the scene at the bottom of the stairs where the Doctor and uh, Clive, is it Clive, are talking to each other. And so Craig, so I'll start that again. Um, there's a scene at the bottom of the stairs where the Doctor and Craig are talking to each other. And between them, there is a picture of a clown looking very suspicious. And then shortly thereafter, there's a mention of a trickster. Now, as I say, I don't know the context within Sarah Jane that the trickster appears, but it seemed to be significant. Just because I've got used to the way that um, the stories are being told, it, there just seems to be something seems to be screaming at me, yeah, pay attention. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of with you mm. that it, it does seem intentional, mm. but. Knowing what the trickster has done in Sarah Jane Adventures, he is definitely a children's show villain. All right. Um, that I, unless they're going to ramp him up or ramp it up mm. for Doctor Who, I would find it very difficult to see the trickster actually in Doctor Who. I hear you. Because he's very much a Saturday morning cartoony type villain okay. to a, a, a certain extent. But Again, happy to be proven wrong because yeah, he we'll was probably see. the most interesting thing about the Sarah Jane Adventures, okay. villain-wise. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, and to answer your earlier question, what's in the Pandorica? The Doctor, I believe. In fact, I'll place my bet now before it starts to air. I think the thing that's in the Pandorica is the Doctor. Right. Okay. Here's 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 the cookie uh... theory. Of the week. The Doctor actually falls through the crack, um, explodes the TARDIS, whatever, because uh, you've got that bit of the TARDIS still, and everything he's done is wiped out completely. So he is in the Pandorica, and he comes out, and everything's all back to normal again. All the aliens that he's met along the way have a big party. <laughs> <laughs> a big Party. Like like the Ewoks <laughs> at the end of Star Wars, and they'll have their own little song, and they'll uh, play drums on on the head of, of the you know, Daleks you or do. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was kind of with you until you said big party. Well, yeah, no, I'd, I'd finished really my theory you, and I, it was, I was quiet. I was there with you, but, but then you kind of ruined it. Sorry, Marty. <laughs> but we, but did, didn't that happen last year with. No, so two years ago with Turn Left, the Doctor was, was removed from uh, a timeline and everything, was, and everything didn't quite work. So I, I can't, I'm, it, can't, it can't be a retelling of the same story, but I think the thing that's inside the Pandora is the Doctor. I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I I say that because I'm not I'm not an award-winning television writer and director. You know, so we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how we go. To expand upon that, which Doctor is in there? Him? The Doctor. Um, the Doctor is all of them, which is which would explain why we're continually being reminded about the other ten fellas. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd say it was the Doctor because there's the Doctor in the TARDIS and there's the Doctor in the Pandorica, which is the thing which is going to see you and James wearing chamois leather wandering around Los Angeles next February. 
getting that image out of my head. What what do you mean by the? I mean, do you, are you saying the doctor we currently have is a fake doctor? No, um, I'm saying that the doctor that we currently have will be this will be locked. It's time travel. It get, it's weird like that. You know, just just as we saw yesterday, um, you can receive a note that hasn't been sent yet. Uh, if if we're going with the idea that there are two doctors, then it just it just depends on where we're sat and which timeline we're watching it from. Um, there is only one Doctor, despite the fact that he's 11 different people. But it might be that the Doctor that's locked inside the Pandorica is time-travelling, or is somehow able to time-travel back along his own timeline. It's not, you know, it's, it's not as if it's never happened before, vis-a-vis uh, vis vis the three Doctors, two Doctors, five Doctors, etc. At least it's better than your party idea, anyway. Well, the well there's a variation on um, Tom, Tom's idea that, that the Doctor is in the Pandorica because he actually, but my bit is because he falls through the Kraken and deletes himself. So oh, okay, really, so yours and Tom's so series I mean. were exactly the same except for the party. Okay, no, all right, fair enough. Yeah, I was, I was just building on, on Tom's idea and I threw in the party for good measure because um, I think we should all have a party. Um, I think that that is, in fairness, a good place to leave it, unless, unless you think there's anything we've missed. No, no, I, I think we've described how superficial and annoying this episode is. Yay. Yes, except, except <laughs> what you forgot to say there was that the episode provides an excellent link between all the episodes that have come before, uh, summarises all the plot points that we need to pay attention to, and prepares us quite wonderfully for the episodes that are, that are to come. It's the sorbet before the main course of the end of the season. Ooh, sorbet. Can you have mm. sorbet at parties? We can have anything we want, man. Oh, <laughs> yeah. awesome. Sky's awesome. the limit. I totally agree with you, Tom. It is time to end this particular episode and, and uh, wander off into the uh, podcasting distance. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, guys. It's, it's <laughs> lovely you, to be here. Marcy, it's brilliant to be on record with you. Brilliant. Thank you. Tom, at last we meet. <laughs> <laughs> Universes will collapse. <laughs> Tiny All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Trev. And again, thank you, Marty. Thank you, Trev. So, see you soon, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Take it easy. That was the Doctor Who Podcast, which you can find at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. If you have any feedback, please send it in to feedback at thedoctorwhopodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and via the Doctor Who Podcast forums. Thank you for listening. Take care. talk of nothing less than the 11th story from this latest season, The Lodger. Ooh. See how it went up there rather than The Lodger. I thought <laughs> I'd try something different, sort of the inflect up this time, rather than saying, we talk of nothing less than The Lodger. And there is nothing less than The Lodger. Nothing less than The Lodger. See, up, upward inflection. Positive note as we leave the segment and head to another one. Today Perfect. on the Doctor Who podcast, The Lodger. The Lodger. <laughs> what a happy-go-lucky, funny episode this was. <laughs>